You're listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, episode 269. Hey there, you amazing human, and welcome to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, the podcast that is designed for female entrepreneurs who want to make more money in a way that is in alignment for them. If you're looking for practical advice, proven strategies, and expert insights to help you navigate the challenges of growing your business, then you've come to the right place. Welcome, my friend. I am your host, Angela Henderson, a proud Canadian living in beautiful Australia, and I'm a business coach, consultant, and strategist who has helped thousands of women around the world build successful businesses. Through solo episodes and interviews with successful business owners, industry experts, and thought leaders, you'll get insider insights into what it takes to succeed in today's digital age. Whether you're struggling to scale your business, looking for ways to boost your productivity, or seeking ways to overcome the challenges of being an entrepreneur, this show has everything you need to succeed and more. So subscribe, pop your headphones on, and get ready to creating the business and life you deserve today by allowing the Angela Henderson Online Business Show help you create a winning strategy, develop the right mindset, and build lasting wealth. Well, hey there, you amazing human, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Angela Henderson Online Business Show. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of women around the world make more money by creating a personalized business strategy and mastering their mindset so they can create a business and life they love and want to show up for every single day. Today, I'm so excited to have on the podcast the most amazing human, Kimmy Sutzner, joining us from the US of A, where she's going to be chatting with me about getting out of your head and achieving extraordinary success. On the podcast today, Kimmy and I explore high achievers and the role that high achievers have when it comes to getting out of our heads. What's the difference between analyzing situations that are critical versus overthinking or paralysis by analysis? We also dig deep about what are some of the common mental barriers or self-limiting beliefs that hold people back from reaching their full potential and success. We also explore where does this overthinking stem from that is, you know, holding us back and getting us, do you know what I mean? out of our head to be able to get into our head. We also talk about the impacts of our upbringing and how this impacts our success. And she also goes on to share some pretty amazing examples and also her strategy and framework around techniques that individuals such as you can use to shift your mindset and get out of your head when facing challenges or setbacks. It's going to be an absolutely epic episode. So get ready for awesomeness and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show, Kimmy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. I mean, we only just met in San Diego earlier this year at a live uh, mastermind that we're in at an event. And it was absolutely epic. You and I were just like, talk, talk, talk. And I was just drawn to your overall spirit and also just your overall positive outlook on business and life. And I just knew that I had to bring you on the podcast. So I'm thrilled to have you here today. Oh my God. Likewise. Yeah, before we get started, I always love to ask guests a fun question so that the audience gets Mm -hmm. to know you today. And today's question that I want to ask you is, I know that you love style and I know that you have helped people all around the world with their style and to increase their confidence, get a promotion, up-level their business or find love. So I'm curious to know, what is your all-time favorite place to shop and why? Oh my God, I have to pick one place? One place, I know. One place, one place. (laughs) Um, you know, well, and this is where I shop with people here in the States. Um, there's a department store called Bloomingdale's and Mm -hmm. I really like, I love Bloomingdale's. I just feel like it usually has something for everybody Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you can get some pretty good deals and you can also go high end if you want to, but 
like for me, when I shop with people, I shop by brand more uh-huh. than anything else. And, you know, once I get to know somebody's body type and even for myself, then you can kind of go to more like the boutique stores, which uh-huh. obviously are just unique to each little city and town, that kind of thing. But yeah, I would say that's my favorite. All right, Bloomingdale's. And I do love Bloomingdale's. I've shopped there previously uh, whenever oh, really? I'm back in the US. I love it. So yes, no, absolutely yeah. love Bloomingdale's. And I do agree. There's always something for everyone, right? Young, mm-hmm. old, middle, in between. Uh, it's it's a great shop. So now that we know that Bloomingdale's is your all-time go-to, I'd love for you to share with the audience, for those who may not have heard of you before, in a super simple way, what do you do today in business? Yeah, you know, um, it's funny because my business has taken a lot of twists and turns over the years. And like you, I have a background being a therapist for many, many years. And I, of course, have a backstory, which I'm happy to share because I think it relates a lot to what we're going to talk about today. But, you know, where I landed and what I do today is, you know, I call myself an authentic dating strategist, a Mm -hmm. confidence therapist, and an image expert. And it's kind of a mouthful to say I help people look and feel their best so they attract what they want. And whether that's in love or in business, it's all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for you, how? so we'll rewind a little bit. How long were you in mental yeah. health before you started down this journey? You know, I had practiced as a therapist for probably over 10 years. And within that, I, you know, worked, you know, with children and families. I worked in the schools, the hospital, private practice, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And did you, what did you prefer? Like, do you miss it? Because that's a question that I get asked often. Do you miss your day job? Do you miss the mental health side of things? Do you miss helping people? Is there an element that you miss of it? Well, what's funny is that I haven't stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like what I do today, I can't imagine not being a therapist, quite Mm -hmm. honestly, Mm -hmm. um, because I, I help people still to this day, I think I've always been a helper, you know, starting from being a camp counselor when I was a kid. All yeah, the way yeah that's cool. Yeah. Like I'm a people person. So, um, and so what I liked about the field is that it was so versatile. Like mm-hmm. when I got burnt out working with like homicidal and suicidal children and adolescents, I went to the school systems and then I went, you know, I kept kind of shifting, but then, you know, when my own story happened, then I was like, all right, there is no way I am going to be a therapist right now. Cause I couldn't even help myself quite honestly. <laughs> and so this is where kind of that chapter ended and the new story began. If you, and again, I'm happy to share, but that, but I, I don't miss that because it served me in that part of my life. And because of the transformation I went through, I'm more attached and close to what I do now today. I think there's something there too, is that like, even though what we're doing, even though what we've done in the past, both you and I both would still be doing it either directly or indirectly with our clients. For me, obviously, I'm no longer their therapist and my boundary is very big. Like, I'm not here to be your therapist. I'm not here to diagnose you. But there have been times, especially during COVID, where my clients down in Victoria, for example, I'm like, hey, have you checked in with your doctor? You know, you're telling me that you're oversleeping, you're under eating, you know, you're over drinking. And this isn't, you know, this is not what I know of you. You know, are are you, they're like, what are you saying? Are you diagnosing me? I'm like, no, I'm not diagnosing you. I said, but part of when you work with me as your business consultant is I don't just look at the business. You can't do business just in isolation. I'm also looking at home life and community life. And I said, this is what you've told me. I said, and because I'm not your doctor and I'm not your therapist, I'd encourage you to book an appointment to talk about these, those things. So I still find that the work and the, the clinical stuff sometimes can still weave into what I do. 
No, absolutely. I mean, it's everything. It's kind of like when, I mean, you were on my podcast and we were talking about that too. Everything is attached to things of the past Mm -hmm. and it creates patterns over time. And that shows up in your business life. It shows up in your friendships, shows up in your love life, all, all kinds. So it is good to look at all this stuff and use the skills to help people. Now, today, speaking of helping people, we're going to be talking specifically about doing those high achievers for a little while, right? And what this potentially looks like, but just how we're getting into our head when really we don't need to. So I wanted to start by, what do you mean when you say, get out of your head? What does that look like for people who might be listening? Let's paint them a picture. (laughs) Well, it depends what's going on in that. <laughs> we could yeah. really do a deep dive into that, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, I mean, you hear that phrase a lot, just get out of your head, you know, get out of your head. And, you know, for me, how that shows up with a lot of people I see, and and honestly, a lot of people who I work with who are single are high achievers, mm-hmm. um, is that you are thinking so much Mm -hmm. that you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what happens is that you go at business perhaps, Mm -hmm. um, or trying to relate to people. It could be networking. It could be dating Mm -hmm. by like being factual, intellectual thinking or worrying about what that other person thinks or feels, um, you're worried about the outcome, like all these things are firing in your head. And Uh, the reason why that is problematic is then you're not present. uh, And when you're not present, you're not connecting. uh, And when you're not connecting, that's when often you lose the sale. That's often uh, when people don't want to do business with you or go on another date with you. And so uh, I love really helping people get more in their body, more in their play, more in their emotion, uh, because at the end of the day that's what connects all of us mm. and when you talk about how, how where do you think we lose the ability to infuse play into our life oh my god well for some of us it um it never left so some of us still have it and yeah. and for some of us it it stopped or was arrested when we had some trauma or mm-hmm. maybe a toxic relationship or our parent told us don't do that or mm-hmm. put us in a parent role, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I love, you know, I do a lot of flirt workshops. Actually, I have one coming up if anyone's yeah. interested out there. Um, and the, the thing that I always tell people is watch children who are about four or five years old. I love, uh-huh. I know you have kids because they haven't developed filters yet, right? Yes. They'll just see like, Little Johnny will see Betsy in the playground and it's not like he stops and thinks to himself, oh, I shouldn't approach her. You know, she looks really busy. Maybe I'll wait till later. No, he just goes up to her and says, hi, want to play? What are you doing? Yeah. And the reason that is, is because they haven't had life happen. Stuff Mm. happen that causes them to stop and filter themselves. Mm. They just come at it from a place of curiosity, from a place of like, the desire from, from that like human emotion standpoint. So I always tell people like, what happened? Like, why can't we go up to that person in the bar say, hi, happy Friday. What are you doing? You know, and, and, and honestly, those are the most attractive things. You know, when I'm networking and you and I both go to a networking event that we share a mastermind. And I I love those settings because you see when there are new people, 
so many people are just standing there like thinking and worrying about like, but if you just literally go up to someone and say, hi, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and, and I have this whole formula that I teach people how to get out of their head into their heart and in more playful interactions. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how also the conversation will just flow better too. Mm-hmm. Because you're probably just able to start to let your guard down, which means if you're letting your guard down, you're being your true self, you're leading with love and with heart, and you're probably going to show more of your authentic, your authentic self, right? Yes. Than it being kind of like just so guarded um, and sheltered, I guess, in many ways. Yes, absolutely. For those people, I'm curious to know, actually, as we're talking about curiosity, though, yeah. What do you, cause there's, there are people who, do you know what I mean, are overthinkers 100%, but then there are also times that we have to just analyze certain situations from a critical standpoint. So what's the difference between analyzing situations from a critical versus coming and leading from a place of overthinking or paralysis by analysis? Yeah. I mean, it really depends first of all on the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that often the way I distinguish it is that when all you are doing is analyzing and it's causing you to hesitate or mm-hmm. it's causing you to kind of sit there in fear or you get like perfectionistic around it, yep. that's when the paralysis sets in. And and I can share a little, I can throw myself under the bus with this because, you know, when, when my story happened, I was this therapist in Chicago and I moved across the country and plopped down here to LA with my my kids and my dog and the picket fence and the husband. I still have the kids, by the way, but you see where the story's <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah. I know we share the same story, right? Yeah. And there I was, you know, in this new foreign land, um, not knowing what to do with my new life. And up until that point, Angela, like coming from our background, I really believe that you had to work from the inside out. You had uh-huh. to do the work. You had to do the analysis, right? Uh-huh. And as as I was kind of going through it, I did what everything that I thought was true. So I went to therapy myself. I uh-huh. analyzed. And then guess what happened? Time went by and nothing was happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I'm sitting here analyzing everything to death. And I'm doing so much thinking that I'm not living. I'm not yes. doing. Uh-huh. And what it became was a crutch. And I often find that when you analyze things to death, it's off, often an excuse because, and I hear my clients say this too, oh, well, I'm doing the work. So I'm not ready to dig. I, I'm just doing the work. But like, what does that mean? Mm. What does that mean? You're just sitting there like analyzing things, but you're not like taking action to counteract some of the like fears and behaviors that you're dealt with. So, mm. so the, the whole thing that changed my script that flipped the script for me is that I took a hard look in the mirror and I was just horrified at what I saw. And this is where the image stuff comes in because I saw a very frumpy mom with oversized black clothes and nursing bras. I wasn't even nursing any longer. And, you know, frizzy here. I'm like, what have I become? I said, you know, enough of this analysis paralysis. I got to like get out of bed and Mm -hmm. like do something. And so, you know what I did? I, you asked my favorites. I went shopping. I went to Bloomingdale's. Mm -hmm. So I I'm in the store and what I'm, I think I'm up leveling myself. No, I'm doing all the same things that I normally do. Mm -hmm. I put black clothes in my arms. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, this is my comfort zone. And this personal shopper, she came up to me. She says, ma'am, 
I've been watching you and I really think you should try this on. And she holds up a red dress that looked like three sizes too small. And I looked at her and crinkled my nose. I said, that's so sweet of you, but that's really not my size. And that's so not my color. She says, honey, that is your size. That is your color. Yes. Yep. Boom. I was like, she hit me over the head with that red dress. And when I came to, I, I, I said, you know what? She's right. I got to get out of my head. I got to get in my body. I, I put on that dress and I twirled around like Cinderella and I saw myself like, bam, there mm-hmm. I was. I call it my red dress moment. And that was the moment I really got out of my head, to be honest, because mm-hmm. then I, I took that costume. I called it a costume because I still didn't believe it was me. And I just started wearing it out in the world. And I had to get used to being seen because honestly, Angela, like, that those black clothes were a cloak to keep me invisible for men because I was scared. And yes. I was and and that's why I kept saying I was doing the work because it was easier to say I was doing the work than actually walking out there in a red dress. Honestly. Mm. And I think you're right. I think and I'm a very big believer about the inner work too, but I also think that it can be used, like you said, as a crutch, right? There comes a time. And I even know over the last 18 months and separating from my uh, husband and obviously starting the date again, I've done an enormous amount of healing and also been in a, an enormous amount of solitude. And I do believe everything happens the way it's supposed to, but it's only been the last few months when I was looking at my business in particular that I was like, ah, oh, okay. I slowed the gas pedal down and that was fine because I needed it. But what was I stopping doing? I'd stop taking the action that I had taken in the past because I was like, I'm just healing. I'm just healing. I'm just healing. So my business definitely was impacted by that. And I know we often talk about, I think we talked about over on your podcast just recently um, in regards to like, you can't just manifest a guy just showing up at your front door. You still have to take the action like you did. You went to Bloomingdale's. Yes. You still have to download the app or do you mean get friends to introduce you to people? You still have to go on a date. Like you still have to take imperfect action in order to get to where you want to be. Correct. Correct. And, you know, I even see this with business as well. And like, even like with projects or something that you have to do, or like when people have to go and doing networking events and that kind of thing. And there's just a lot of anxiety sometimes around being perfect or getting something done or doing it right. Like I remember, and and we'll just kind of go over on the business side. The first time I I put up a website, like it took me so long just to launch a stupid website that like was when I look back on how bad that website was and I thought it was perfect at the time, you know, and I'm like, you know, that was one of my big lessons too, is that it's like how you said perfectly imperfect, like just do it, just do it, you know, get, don't, overthink things so much because usually it's like when you when you launch and you leap is when you start changing and shifting and another thing I'll say around that and it's only when you are in a a place of discomfort is when you change mm-hmm. if you're just sitting there staying the same and ruminating in your head that's when people just stay status quo too 100% and I, and, and I just feel like, again, in life, it's easy just to play status quo because the people around you, family, friends, work, business colleagues, whatever, a lot of people are just doing the same status quo. A lot of times yeah. they're running from that same low vibration, right? Oh, my day yeah. sucked. Oh, this, whatever. And it's easy to get into the same rut as so many other people. And then therefore we start up again, overthinking, etc. And then it's lacking doing you know, us from achieving the success that we want. I am curious to know, though, for those that are listening, and they're like, 
have people always been overachievers? Does it happen overnight or does it happen? Do you mean from somewhere in childhood? Like, tell me a little bit more about how much of what's going on in our heads and the doubt and the questioning has been rooted from early years upbringing versus again, say those last six months. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is that, you know, I mean, obviously as a therapist, we, we learn patterns, right. Mm -hmm. And, and we get, we have ascribed roles. We have the way that, you know, our parents related to each other, to one another, all of that stuff really impacts that. And, you know, I have a, a, a dating uh, retreat program. And one of the courses that I teach in there is overcoming dating fears. And one of the fears that we have found that's directly related to high achieving often comes from the fear of failure Mm. or the fear of success. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, they're two different things and they're rooted also in two different elements. And, you know, it could be like a message growing up where, you know, let's say you got an A instead of the parents saying, good job. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you is where's the A plus. So you learn early on that it's never really enough. And so part of the overachieving is coming from the deep desire of being loved and Mm -hmm. and being accepted. But the problem with that is that it never will really be enough until you give your own self validation and attract people who can give you kudos and being proud and that kind of thing. But see, the pattern often replicates too, is that then you start getting into like business relationships and other people who feed the same dynamic that you're mm-hmm. used to. Mm-hmm. Right? So yes. like what you were saying on my podcast, it takes a lot of work to stop and say, uh, wait a second, that person I'm about to do business with. Yeah. That feels just like my dad. And is that going to be good for me? <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, and being able to identify that too. Yes. Yes. And, and, and it's not easy unless you kind of do the work and, and start like recognizing some of the patterns. You know, that's why I call myself a strategist these days, more than a coach, more than a therapist, mm-hmm. because I just believe people need strategies to break patterns. That's really what we're doing, a pattern disruption in all of this stuff, because we're more confident going back to what we're used to and what we know, even mm. though it may not be good. But it's what feels good for us too, right? So it's like, yes. it's that safety. We feel safe by just continuing to do what we're doing. Uh, because if we have to go outside of our comfort zone, that feels unsafe. Uh, so we'll just keep doing the same old, same old. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know there was like this woman I was working with and she um, was just like, an, and this is another, I guess, um, person that I see a lot mm-hmm. in the dating world is someone who's like an over caregiver. Mm. And so they're so, you know, used to just giving, giving, giving and not receiving, but, but they're the ones creating that, right? Cause they're not allowing themselves to receive. So they attract a lot of narcissists mm. or they have a lot of fixer uppers, you know? And so, you know, one of the things that like with this woman I was sharing with her is that I had to have her get used to leaning back and not like inserting herself and, mm. and like, quickly giving, you know, really Mm -hmm. letting men earn her. And it it really took a a while for her to like break that pattern because then when there was a giver, she didn't recognize it and she didn't know what to do with it. 
Mm. You know, like her need was to just jump in and then and like, no, lean back, lean back, you know, and that, that can be done in ways we have conversations. It can be done in ways of our body language. Like there's all different kinds of ways it leaks and shows up. How much does people pleasing influence the overthinkers? Oh, that's an interesting question. It, it definitely can be intertwined, right? And, and it doesn't mean that it's um, always connected because it could be inter, inter, like independent from one another. But like if you are a people pleaser and kind of makes sense, you're maybe thinking so much in your head how to please that person rather than, first of all, how you feel. Yes. And paying attention to what you want in, in that you know, in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it and how that can. Yeah, I see. Because I just find that sometimes in business, for example, I believe that people pleasing is a direct correlation of how much money you will make. So the more that you people please, the less likely you are to make more money because you're always worried about, um, do you know what I mean? What are people thinking? Have I done enough? Do you know what I mean? Am I doing enough? Whatever. And it goes back to that subconscious blocks around enoughness too, right? But I do right. think that people pleasing is a direct correlation of revenue. Uh, and so when people do that work and they learn that people pleasing is what's causing this uh, and they stop the people pleasing, uh, typically I do see a lot of business owners just start to accelerate in their growth because uh, they've used people pleasing almost as like a crutch because that's what they grew up in. It was almost like a coping mechanism and that they no longer need that in order to be successful, that they can actually drop that and they're going to be more successful. That is really interesting. And, and, and that so ties together with like people pleasing and dating too, Mm -hmm. you know, because then they're not going to get a healthy relationship either because they keep focusing on the other person rather than themselves. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, absolutely. Now, what have you seen? I'm just wondering, cause of those people that out there, like, okay, this is sounding a little bit like me. You know, I think this, you know, you guys are nailing it on the head a little bit. Are there any common mental barriers or self-limiting beliefs that hold people back from achieving their full potential? Like, do you see common threads or common trends? Do you know what I mean? With the amount of people that you've worked with in your business? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely um, some trends. And actually, what's interesting, um, and if, if you're interested, you can go to, uh, I have a quiz on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, I, it's funny that you asked that because you go to kimmyseltzer.com forward slash quiz and see what kind of data you are. And within the answers, there are a lot of like common threads that people mm-hmm. have with limiting beliefs, like you said. And, you know, like some of it could be that, they're like, they don't feel good enough. Kind of like what we were talking about before. Like if it comes from a fear of failure or fear of success, Mm. um, they're, they're going to be constantly feeling like they're not good enough. And then they'll pick people that will make that happen and and be true. So Mm. that's the self-sabotage. And then, and then, and then they say, Oh, see, see, it happened again. I'm not good enough. It's like they get that confirmation, they get that validation. So (laughs) therefore they're like, well, I won't go down that path because it's just confirmed exactly what I told you. That's right. I, you know, and I see even people putting themselves in business situations like that. You know, I was working with a client and she had a, um, a pattern of just getting into these toxic work situations and the work situation that she was in really like simulated her family to a T like the boss was a narcissistic father. Like she had, and you know, people pleasing mother that she had was like the secretary. Like it was just, it was almost 
to the point where it was like a sitcom because each character was like her family member. And what was funny, she didn't even see it until I pointed it out to her. And she's because like, it probably just felt so comfortable to her that totally. again, it's like, oh, this just feels like home. It feels safe. So I'll just keep going with what I know. Yet she was so frustrated and so like, I mean, distraught. It's like she couldn't even focus on her dating life because she, her work just consumed her and it was so toxic. And I said, well, what are you going to do about it? Like I said, you can't focus on your dating life. So we need to handle this stuff, you know? And so she ended up quitting and it was a big, big decision for her. But the minute she did, it was like a total relief, complete. And then she ended up getting a job in this beautiful, healthy environment. And of course, like clockwork, she started attracting healthier people in her life, including men. Exactly. And that's where I talk about, like, I think, again, that resemblance of like workplace, but also businesses. A lot of times people are attracting clients who are just douchebags, right? And it's like, well, why do you think you're attracting these douchebags? Again, you're normally presented with mirroring, right? Back to you about what's going on for you. People are like, oh, okay. So it can happen in so many areas. But again, unless we're prepared to look at it, and I know that's, again, you know, at the end, we'll tell people how they can connect with you because you do work with these high achievers who have a tendency to overthink. And until we start to break some of these patterns, it can really start to mess with home life, business life, dating, and so many other facets. Now, I am curious for those people that are listening, they're like, okay, you've got me. I'm definitely the overthinker. You know, I'm the higher achiever you're talking about. And I'm, you know, I'm sabotaging my success. Do you have a framework or do you have particular strategies that you would suggest to people to kind of get started on shifting you know, away from this and, and kind of getting into that new, that new them, what would that look like for them? Yeah. You know, everything that I do, whether it's like, I have a lot of in-person experiences that I do with people. I have a dating retreat coming up. I have virtual programs as well. I'm so much about experiential work and being in your body more because at the end of the day, and you and I talked about this off air, it's like people want to move on with people based on how they feel with you, not on what you know. And if you are ruling by your head in a very cerebral way and overthinking things, you might be like missing opportunity to make like these really great connections for yourself and not only great, but authentic ones too. Mm. And so um, the formula that I use with everybody, whether you're a high achiever or not, it, it, it works and it's called the charisma quotient. And it's the name of my podcast that you were on. It's um, the formula that I use. Um, I just did a TEDx talk on it. And it's, it's basically what I love about the charisma word is it's an energy you know, mm. right. It's an energy that just draws people to you. And it is totally out of your head. Like you cannot be charismatic and be in your head. Mm. You just can't. It's something that has to do with, you know, a feeling. And what's cool about charisma research shows that it's something that is a learned behavior. Mm. And that means I can teach it. And I, I, I have taught it. I've seen, you know, 85 year olds that I taught flirt to to flirt in a bar all the way down to a 20 year old, you know? So that's, what's cool. Now within the charisma quotient, there are three pillars that I work with. And again, an answer to your question, the, the, the actual like experiences and tasks and activities that I do with people are going to depend on their own journey because everyone's different. Totally. But looking on the three pillars, your first is your style intelligence, which I start 
from the outside now, based on my story, what happened to me, I believe when you learn how to market yourself and you put yourself out there in ways through your dressing, through your energy, your body language, first impressions, that's the first thing that people see. And that is also determines how people are going to treat you, which also has to do with your confidence and that validation. Uh-huh. So it, it's the quickest thing that we all have. Like the inside job takes forever. We all know this. Uh-huh. But there's nothing like seeing a woman walking out of a dressing room in a brand new red dress and she is like walking a little bit you know, with her pep to step and people are noticing her and all of that stuff. So um, even with people who are in their head, like I've worked with a lot of high achievers who don't even like pay attention to what they're putting on, you mm. know, that, that they're thinking that how they think is more important than how they look. And they don't want to mm. be seen as somebody, you know, who is not intellectual or something. I've had that happen. Actually, there's a woman I worked with in Australia, believe it or not. She's on my website. I have a before and after picture because she grew up with the ascribed role that she was the intellectual one, not the pretty one. And her her two sisters were like deemed as like the pretty ones. Yeah. And I'm like, you realize you can be pretty and intellectual at the same time. And like it did a register for her. So I did a whole makeover on her and she had to have evidence and see herself differently. Mm. Um, And, you know, after we had that experience, I mean, I kind of created a monster, like everywhere she went, she's she's getting the attention. She's like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. And guess what? She was still smart. So um, that's the first thing. Now, the second pillar is emotional intelligence. Obviously, I didn't make that up. I mean, this is a big buzzword these days. Even in business, people are working on emotional intelligence a lot. But for me, it's like when you're relating to people, it's how we express ourselves. It's the vulnerability piece. It's the authenticity. It's allowing people to see your personal side. It's not everything is factual in business. Mm. You know, when you really allow yourself to be um, felt that emotional, intimate connection that you have, even like in a business situation, people will do everything for you and with you and want to, and you'll feel better about the interactions Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether it's a, a, a dating situation or a business, I mean, I have helped so many single people who were struggling in their business do the same things that I teach them in dating to to do with their bosses, with their coworkers, with people that they work with in their entrepreneur life. And it works, right? Mm-hmm. And so the emotional intelligence piece is huge. And then social intelligence is the third pillar. And that is how we manage interpersonal relationships. That is also flirting. Flirting, again, is a big part of my business and what I like to teach. And it it's like social cues, social norms, social comfort, all the things that go into how we feel about interpersonal communication. And all of those three things, if you think about it, the emotion, the style, and the social are so much more than what a person knows in their head. It is more about like a feeling-based type of connection. And so I think looking at those three things and seeing 
you know, where your holes are, where your gaps are. All it is is simply picking like one thing in each pillar and seeing if you can just practice doing it. So if you're if you're a woman who wears drabby clothes and hiding all the time, then wear a bright red dress and just see the impact it has, right? Just one thing. You know, if you're somebody who's a people pleaser, like you were saying, Angela, who are always giving your power away, well, practice just saying what you like. Every time you're with somebody, you know, if, if you have a hard time making eye contact and kind of flirting with life, if you're single and you're looking to mingle, like just go to the grocery store and make eye contact with five guys for a week mm. and see what happens. <laughs> you know, like these are the small steps that'll add up to the bigger win. It's like we were talking about on your podcast too. It's like, you don't go to the yeah. gym and just have a six pack. You have That's to, right. you, you go to the gym day one and then baby by week five, you got something there week. Do you mean six months in, you've got a half of a six pack and then eight years later, you've got the six pack or whatever it is, right? Like it takes time. And just by doing those small steps, what happens is it accumulates, it's got a compound effect and eventually it just becomes more easier and more easier. And it becomes, you mean you're creating a new pathway for you and it will feel more comfortable for you. Ah, that's so true. It is. It's all about that. Um, exercise, like you said, and, you know, I use the metaphor of a marathon too. You know, you, no one can just race to the finish line in a marathon. You have to exercise, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to build muscle, like you were saying too. And, and, and I think also it eases anxiety. So like a lot of times when people are ruled by their head, there's a lot of anxiety. I think that's another, I would say connection. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the women that I work with, they've struggled with anxiety their whole life. And so, the reason why they're overthinking things and are outcome oriented because they're trying to ease the anxiety of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And again, that's heavily rooted a lot of times in the upbringing. Maybe there was like a lot of yelling growing up or some abuse or whatever, like the trauma might be. You learned when you were young to control the environment by by doing something, right? And mm-hmm. that that's why achieving something feels good because you feel like, you know, you're doing something, but sometimes it goes overboard, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with achieving and, and it's a beautiful thing in business, but anything in extreme is what causes that imbalance. Absolutely. And again, the imbalance is, there's a time and place for it, but if it imbalances for too long, it can tip you over, right? And put you yes. back, you know what I mean? And it's it's not something we want to stay there forever. I, I believe we all go there for reasons, uh, but it's, a, again, and it's like lessons we may not have learned, but we've got to come out of that, right? Now, for yeah. those listeners, I mean, first of all, this has been great because I believe there's going to be so many of my listeners that are like, yep, you know, the overthinking is impacting me in more than just business life, right? Whether or not, again, that's dating or whether or not that's health or whether or not that's whatever that looks like relationships. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your awesomeness and and just having these open conversations so that women can start thinking about what's one thing they can do to move themselves from where they're at to where they want to be. So for those listeners who would love to connect with you, learn more about you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you can go to my website. It's KimmySeltzer.com, K-I-M-M-Y-S-E-L-T-Z-E-R.com. And if you just put a forward slash quiz on there, you can also take that quiz to see what your, you know, dating diagnosis is, which is kind of fun. Um, All my social handles are at Kimmy Seltzer, basically, and also on my podcast, Charisma Quotient. 
Dude, I love it. But before we wrap up, I always like to ask one final question. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Oh my God, there's so much. Again, do I have to pick one? Um, One, yes. (laughs) Um, I know this is going to sound so like cheesy and simple, but just do it, as Nike says, because Mm -hmm. I just remember again, going back to that overthinking, I felt like because I didn't have a background in business, I mean, just, you know, and you know this, like in social work school, we just learned how to be a social worker and be a therapist. We did not learn the art of business. Mm. And because I was insecure, not confident about it, I just remember feeling like I couldn't launch anything until I absorbed every single part of the information because it wasn't anything that I was confident in and see that shows up also in some of the stuff you and I are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I've learned and like kind of going with your gut and like when you, when you want to do something, just do it because there is no such thing as perfect. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as like, having the thing be exactly right because things keep shifting and changing in business. Mm. And if you don't launch and you hesitate, that's when you also miss a lot of opportunity. Absolutely. Well, and I love it because again, there's always opportunity, but sometimes we've got like those rose rose colored glasses on, right? And it's hard to see opportunity when we're in that kind of, do you know what I mean? Funk, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, but I do love the simplicity of what you said, just do it. And I believe that imperfect action will always trump no action, right? You get, you can get momentum, you can get opportunity, you can get gems, but you're also going to get the lessons you need to move yourself forward. So again, imperfect action is always the way I suggest my clients also go. Now, I appreciate your wisdom today, your awesomeness today. And also just a reminder that my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode over at my website, AngelaHenderson.com.au, where we'll include all of Kimmy's links. Don't forget to subscribe to Spotify or Apple so that you can be the first to know of our upcoming new episodes that are released. And if you haven't already left me a review, please do so. It puts a smile on my dial. But for now, have an amazing day, you awesome human, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me for another episode of the Angela Henderson Online Business Show. Thanks again, Kimmy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, www.angelahenderson.com.au.